On this episode, I talk about Lewiston, Maine. I update everyone on two solved disappearances. I remind you to keep your heads on swivels. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including my favorite Halloween costume. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for October 30th, 2023. All right, everybody, let's do this live show uh, to um, sort out a few technical uh, issues before I get started. First of all, it was uh, that my microphone tuned in or plugged in to my MacBook that I'm using here. And then there were a couple other things going on, but it's all sorted out now. So we are ready to do this live show for October 30th, 2023. I hope all of you are uh, have been having a good week. And by the way, uh, last night during the Think Tank on Patreon using um, through YouTube, we did have some audio issues. So uh, please speak up if you're hearing any of that. Tonight, um, it was like crackling or something. Eventually got sorted out, but I don't know how I fixed it. But uh, so if you're having any audio issues out there, please uh, let me know. It might have just been a one-time thing. I really can't be sure. But I got a fantastic, spectacular, stupendous live show for all of you. Got a lot to cover. Over the next two hours, you know, uh, I always come to this microphone well prepared. I always like to have more information than less information uh, in, in doing this show. I always want to leave everybody, you know, like it says, always leave them wanting more. And uh, but one thing uh, I am looking for some questions for. Tonight's uh, live show, is there anything on your mind, anything going on out there, as long as it's not political or um, have anything to do with religion, as long as it's PG rated and not too personal, uh, I will be able to answer it. And uh, as you are also watching tonight, what do we always say? Please give this video a thumbs up. If you are watching on YouTube, if you are on Facebook, do what you can there uh, for the the Facebook feed that is live both in the discussion group and on the page. That would, of course, really help us out as well. Let's see who is in here. We're about three minutes in. Let's see, Nephew Charles, what's going on? think your uh, mother is about due to be coming back. Uh, to the United States, right? Uh, right, Charlie. Hello, everything. Karen, Melody, uh, Patty, Deborah, Sheree, what's going on? Thank you for moderating uh, tonight. Sharon from Australia. Good day, Sharon. Mark and Indy. Kathy, what's going on? 
and Hazel. Hello, 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 Hazel. Glenn, Stacy. All right, thank you, everybody, for everybody making some time tonight. Uh, what is going on with me? I uh, did a little disc golfing this past weekend. And uh, hello, Mary from Maryland. What's going on? Mary from Maryland. That, well, that just seems as appropriate uh, as absolutely possible. Mary from Maryland. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, disc golf this weekend. Uh, for large portions of this weekend, I played some of the best disc golf I've ever played. And then that it was punctuated with some of the worst disc golf I've played. <laughs> I am uh, very, very unpredictable. Uh, just to give you a perfect example, um, on Sunday, when it was very windy on Sunday over there at Stevens, through the, the first nine baskets, I was three under par with a bogey. So I actually had four birdies through the first nine baskets. That is easily the best I have ever played the front nine at Cliff in a tournament, easily. And then I went to 10, basket number 10, where you have to throw over the water. I put the first one in the water. So it was out of bounds. So that means I was throwing number three. Got it over the water the second time, but my upshot wasn't any good. I ended up taking a six, which is a triple bogey. So I was three under going into number 10. And when I was done with number 10, I was even. Now, what's funny, on the very next basket, on number 11, I took a birdie again. <laughs> and I did not take another bogey until number 16, and once again, mistake. And then I really, really fell apart at the end. I finished the tournament double bogey, par double bogey, which is no good. So I kind of lost it in the end, but... I'm serious. On Saturday, and did not finish very well. Uh, there were like 30, 30 players in the division or something. I think I finished 17th or 18th, something not very good, especially considering it's intermediate. Had some bad disc choices, bad disc choices given the wind. Those are mental mistakes. But I'm telling you, for large portions on Saturday and Sunday, just played some of the uh, best disc golf. I just have to figure out how to get a full 18. Of course, we're, each day we're playing 25 baskets. So, um, you know, how to figure out how to put that into, you know, a decent round and get me back up to where I should be because um, – you know, my, my PDGA rating, which means really my skill level, the number that rates your skill level has come down over the past year. Uh, 2023 has not been a very good disc golf year for me. 2022 is a really good disc golf year. Uh, 2023, not so much. I guess a lot of things probably. Not practicing as much and everything, but it's there. It's just how often can I tap into it and how often can I do that? Well, the thing is, I'm going to get another chance this coming weekend. I'm playing the exact same course. Uh, but this time I'm going to be playing in a much, much, much tougher division. I have no chance of winning this division. But I'm going to give it a shot anyway. So I will be over there uh, at Cliff on Saturday and, and Sunday 
once again, where I will be playing with my age group, but it's all professionals. So these are all guys in my age group who are playing for money and have been playing for a lot longer than I have. So I plan to get my butt kicked, but maybe that's just better uh, me knowing that maybe that'll just kind of loosen me up uh, a little bit. We'll just have to see. So that was my weekend. Uh, of course, tomorrow is Halloween. And I'm just wondering if anybody is uh, dressing up. Are you going to any parties or maybe you've already done your trick-or-treating? Of course, some places just do the trick-or-treating on the uh, like the weekend before Halloween, if Halloween doesn't fall on a weekend. So maybe that's already happened for some of you. And maybe I should ask, what is your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever, you know, come up with? You know, it doesn't matter if it was last year or 20 years ago or whatever. What is the best costume that you've ever had for Halloween? And the, the thing with this is, you're most a lot of you are going to have to tell me yours first, and then I will tell you what my favorite. Of course, I haven't dressed up a lot over my life to tell you the truth, but I will then tell you what my favorite Halloween costume was. Uh, and this would be going back uh 27 years, but you have to go first. Uh, moving on, of course, uh, maybe all of you probably by this time know that Matthew Perry, the actor, of course, from Friends, died, what would it be, Saturday, or was it yesterday? Saturday or yesterday. And, you know, very sad. You know, uh, you know it's weird – Given that Friends was right in my age group, a bunch of Gen Xers living in New York City, if you look at their ages, uh, they're all around my age. Of course, um, Lisa Kudrow was a lot older than the rest of them. But if you look at Matthew Perry, he was a year older than I am. I think that um, Jennifer Aniston, I think, was born in 1969. David Schwimmer, uh, the, the other five, Courtney Cox, the rest of them. All, uh, maybe Courtney Cox was a little bit older, but of course, very close to my age. All of them older though. Uh, you know, uh, I was born in 1970. The weird thing is though, is I did not really watch friends when it was a popular show. I, I don't ever remember tuning in to watch friends when the new episodes were coming out. Probably not. Until I moved to Las Vegas, maybe 99, 2000, something like that. And it got started in what, about 1995? Probably like the first, first four or five years of that show. I never watched it, uh, the new episodes when they came out. It wasn't until I moved to Las Vegas that I started watching Friends as reruns. So you'd have a the syndicated reruns like during the day sometime, and then a new episode would be, coming on, I think it was on Thursday nights at night. And so that's really, I wasn't, didn't really start watching friends until I was like uh, 30 years old. But now at this point I have seen all of the episodes and it certainly is one of those shows where it was certainly 
meant for that generation. Uh, you could say like, you know, you know, and I, I should say I'm the same with Seinfeld. I did not watch um, Seinfeld when it was a new show. When it got started, it got started when I started a freshman in college. And I can remember friends of my watching friends of mine watching it and really being into it, never watched it. I did not start watching Seinfeld until it was reruns. And once again, it wasn't until it was already off the air and I lived in Las Vegas. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure about that. Now I've seen all the episodes, but I think those two very, very popular sitcoms, uh, you know, have aged in different ways. I think Seinfeld's one of those shows, even though you look at the technology and everything and nobody has a cell phone and all this stuff, you know, they have the, the cordless phones and they don't talk a lot about the internet or anything. It's dated technologically, but as far as the jokes and everything, a lot of the themes are timeless. In my opinion, a lot of the, Things they happen upon, uh, close talkers, the soup Nazi. That stuff, I think, still can continue to carry forward. Whereas with friends, you know, I don't know how uh, well it has aged, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, I could see, like, millennials, Generation Z or you know, Y or whatever, you know, whoever these people are, you know, generations that are after my generation of generation X, um, you know, probably watching friends and thinking, wow, that's really, really dated. And it just not because of the fashion or anything. It just doesn't feel very trendy or anymore. Uh, whereas Seinfeld, I think it's just a little different. That's just, uh, you know, my insight into that, uh, into each of them, given that I've watched every episode of both at this point. Of course, for Gen Xers like myself, Friends is always going to be funny and everything else. I just don't know if it really translates to uh, generations after ours. And it was really geared, of course, toward Generation Xers, because all of the actors in it were Generation Xers. Whereas Seinfeld, they were just trying to be funny. <laughs> you know, it was um, a little different way to go about making uh, people laugh. That's my assessment of it. You know, if some of you are very, uh, you know, very educated on both those shows, maybe you think of them differently. That's just the way it always strikes me. But getting back to Matthew Perry, very sad. Um, and so, you know, it's weird looking at, of course he had a lot of problems. And if you really are educated on, um, friends and you can go back to like those first years of, you, you know, you really notice how much Matthew Perry changed from like the first year into the second and third year. I mean, you look at him in those second and third years and there's like nothing to him. The clothes, he's like a hanger. The clothes are just barely hanging on to him. And, you know, he had some problems. He had some addictions. And then later in the show, um, 
he, uh, you know, of course got bigger and he was what you would might call overweight. He had these drastic weight changes and look changes over the course of those years. And I, you know, probably, uh, people were probably thinking, you know, what's going on with him. And whereas the other five, you know, pretty much, they all look pretty much, uh, the same, even though, uh, Lisa Kudrow actually had a child and she, you know, when she was playing pregnant in the show, when she was having her brother's kids, she was actually really pregnant in real life. I don't know if anybody ever knew that, but, that that's how they wrote that into the show in contrast to uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus, when she got pregnant during Seinfeld, they covered it up. They, they put baggy clothes on her. They had her standing behind furniture and things like that. Very much how they treated um, Scully getting pregnant on the X-Files and how they covered that up there as well. So, uh, Matthew Perry, very sad, just looking at him, and I just can't believe that he and I were only in difference by a year. He was only one night. Now, granted, um, you know, it's not like I look like I'm 30 anymore, thank goodness, but... You look at Matthew Perry, he was only a year older than I am. And that just shows you what, you know, years of that kind of stuff can do to a person. I look at him, I'm like, oh my gosh, that guy is only a year older than I am. Now, of course, though, on the other hand, I have um, the advantage that I've never been a drinker, never had any addictions or eating disorders or anything like that. So that certainly helped. But just looking at him, uh, you know, they had that reunion within the last couple years. And yeah, very, you know, very, very sad. Of course, of course, the women, at least in Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Jennifer Aniston, they've all had work done. Have nothing against that as a guy. Women want to get some plastic surgery and everything else. Totally fine by me. Uh, but maybe that even made Matthew Perry in the, when they all got together, maybe even just look that much worse. So very sad. It seems like he was trying to get on the right path here, but my guess, and this happens a lot, you know, guys that don't take care of themselves. I don't suppose it could happen to anybody, but it is, uh, telling to me that they said that he had been out, um, you know, playing pickleball for a couple hours and then he came home and he got in the hot tub and his assistant went out to do a couple things for him. The assistant came back and he was dead in the hot tub and he and drowned probably. I don't know if he had about, you know, if he had a heart attack or, you know, or something, but you've got to be very, you know, very careful with stuff like this. And, um, you know, I even know that guys that, I, you know, around my age, like when I do play disc golf, like this coming weekend when I'll be playing with guys mostly my age, you know, um, a lot of these guys have not taken care of themselves. You know, I play with a lot of guys who are overweight. 
I play with a lot of guys who obviously have some health issues going on. Um, you know, guys, you could even see the the wear and tear in their bodies. They're limping and everything. And I'm like, wow, these guys are like my age. And meanwhile, I'm out there and I don't even warm up. So and that actually was a topic of conversation this past weekend on the disc golf course. So Matthew Perry, very sad. Seemed like a good guy. Just uh, for whatever reason, got... Uh, into the wrong stuff. Uh, maybe he didn't handle the fame very well. Uh, you know, being in the spotlight and and everything. I just I, I just don't know. But um, very sad because, like I said, otherwise seem like a pretty good guy. And I, I think it's really telling that that all of those six actors, three actors, three actresses, all of them together that they're all still so very close all of these years later. It's been like 20 years since a new episode of Friends came out, and all six of them are still very close. They still get together. If you follow any of them on social media or anything else, you know that they get together you know, here and there. And that's uh, you know, my perception of Hollywood and everything. It's pretty rare. So, And they all seem like fantastic people, and I don't just say that because I think Jennifer Aniston is – and everything else but i do think that they're all very decent people and it's really a shame uh that matthew perry uh a guy that uh us gen xers went through our 20s with uh is no longer here and especially since it seems like he was trying to uh you know get on the right path and probably was on the right path but we know um people that um Sometimes cleaning their acts up, you know, that sometimes can actually lead to them, you know, leading to heart attacks. People who lose too much weight or, or, or whatever else really take it too far. They, they want to get back in shape. They've done this to their body. They've done that to their body. And so they're desperate to kind of get it all back and they push themselves too much. It happens. So uh, let's see. Uh, some people are answering in here. Uh, Hazel says, oh, water. Yeah, I threw into the water, Hazel. Hello, Deborah. Uh, Charlie says uh, that he always liked Dracula, so we're going to talk about those costumes. Um, Shree this year is going Rosie the Riveter. I love it. Hello, Deborah. What's going on? Valerie says, Halloween can't. Wait, taking my kids out. My favorite was a female Ghostbuster costume. Love the Ghostbusters. So I guess you're going out tomorrow, Valerie. Kathy, you were a jockey. So uh, a jockey, a horse rider, horse racer. Uh, going way back to 1968, Kathy. That is fantastic. You went as a jockey. That's interesting. I've never seen a woman do that. Um... Melody says, I just got through working in a local haunted attraction. I do it every year. What role do you play in that haunted attraction, Melody? Everybody wants to know. Uh, Shri says her favorite costume was the Mad Hatter. That's a good one. Shri, I remember you sending me a picture from a couple years ago. Did you not dress up like as a nun or something? You Maybe from a few years ago, you and a friend of yours, or maybe one of your, one of your daughters dressed up as nuns or maybe... Like, I'm gonna, I know this is going to be really weird. It was at nuns or you were dressed up as witches, like in a coven or something, right? Did you not send me a picture like that a few years ago? Hello, Stitching. What's going on with you, Stitching? Back in the house. 
Hazel said Hans Seinfeld is one of her favorites. Uh, Sheree is uh, going in opposite direction for me. She's saying my daughters have watched Friends start to finish at least twice, so I don't know. All right, so your daughters can relate to Friends. Okay. Uh, Charlie says his sons, my nephew, or my great nephews, uh, like Seinfeld. I'm not surprised there, uh, Charlie. Uh, Shree's thinking that Matthew Perry's uh, death will eventually be uh, ruled a drug overdose. Boy, let's hope not, Shree. I'm, I'm hoping that this was, uh, you know, he got into the heart, uh, a hot tub and had a heart attack or something. But maybe it is. Uh, you know, could he have combined the wrong, you know, drugs together? Maybe like Heath Ledger did. I guess that's a possibility. Stitching, hey, I'll be bouncing back and forth to Ed. And the lawsuit that BHB has going on right now. I don't know what that is, Stitching. Stacy says, so bad about Matthew Perry. Lisa, hello, Lisa. Helping my son apply to college. All right. That's funny. Deborah, no matter if he quits drugs almost two years ago, the drugs reeled havoc on the body. Yeah, it can never be diversed. reversed. Yeah. Uh, Twinkle, there's Twinkle. Hello, Twinkle. He said on a talk show that he took 55 pain pills a day, uh, Matthew Perry. Yeah. Yeah. CR, the human body has a remarkable ability to heal. That's right. Um, Glenn says, I'm Jersey Shore this year. Wow, that's going back, Glenn. You are a handmaiden, Shree. Is that what it was? That's funny. Um... Lori says, my picture of my grandkids uh, last Halloween. I don't see anything, Lori. Uh, Melody says, I'm in two scenes depending on the weekend. I'm in a dead pirate scene and also a haunted maid in a dining room in the haunted house. Wow. All right. Lori says, no drugs involved, in my opinion, for Matthew Perry. All right. Very sad about Matthew Perry. We're losing too many celebrities. Yeah, especially considering that Matthew Perry was only 54. That's true. All right, so I will tell you that what my favorite costume was, uh, and then we will move on to true crime stuff. Um, in 1996, my girlfriend at the time, her name was Janie, uh, she and I went as... Uh, a dominatrix and her sex slave, if you can imagine it. And I'll just leave it at that. We went to a party that way. Um, no drug overdose, but maybe heart problems from the years of doing drugs. Twinkle, I went to as a gypsy one year, got tired of carrying that gazing ball around. That's funny. Lori, same. I love Dateline. Yeah. Uh, yes, Matthew. That's right. Uh, the, the Morrison, Keith Morrison with Matthew Perry's stepfather. And his real actual father uh, played in an episode of Friends. He played uh, one of Jennifer Aniston's boyfriend's fathers. It's the one where Jennifer Aniston's kind of partially undresses. And then her boyfriend's parents come home. Remember that episode? And she's like posing, waiting for her boyfriend to come back. And his parents come in. The, the father of that, Joshua, I think it was his name. Joshua's father is actually Matthew Perry's real father in real life. So I've always wondered, yeah, thank you. I know, I know. You got to pick Ed. Uh, no, for me, um, there is a picture out there, Stacy, somewhere. 
but I don't think I have any in all of the stuff that I carried from Pennsylvania to Las Vegas and then here to Florida. But yes, we did dress up that. Uh, went to a party uh, October 1996. True story. Uh, she and I were quite a couple until we weren't. Um, yes, Hazel, they're risky for straight la- This is risky for straight laced as. That's funny. Um, uh, I, I, I am straight laced. That doesn't mean I'm not fun. Uh, hello, Marty. Valerie, his real father was in Old Spice commercials. That's right. Marty is here. Yeah, Marty. Uh, yeah, Marty likes to be fashionably late. All right, let's move. So that is my uh, costume. I have to say one other year. I dressed up as Speed Racer. But I haven't dressed up for Halloween. Went to some Halloween parties when I was at uh Star Trek and people dressed up, but I never dressed up. A lot of them did because uh, they were into that stuff. Uh, but I never did. I just went and hung out and uh, the Star Trek people knew how to throw parties. Um, it was covering uh, carving jack-o'-lanterns tonight with my boys. Well, uh, how did that go, Marty? I hope it went well. All right, let's move on. I'm going to start here, as I usually do, with the Irene Gakwa poll. And it was a very simple question for uh, this week. And was her disappearance an accident or was it preplanned? Very straightforward. In the discussion group, although it was not a huge majority, in the discussion group, majority of people said that... um, that it was actually pre-planned. Whereas in the think tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. If you'd like to be part of the think tank, you should be involved. Everybody is involved in it, loves it. But the think tank for the most part, not, I don't think it was a total 100%, but most of the people said it was unplanned that it was very much what we kind of generally think with, these types of disappearances where it was some sort of domestic issue uh, that went that one step further than it had in the past. And for me, the blog that I write at patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, I also decided that it was unplanned. And for me, you know, you really, for me to start getting into this, that kind of disappearance you know, for me to really think that it was pre-planned, I really need to see some hard facts that would make me think that. Now, an example of that might be like Marion Hurley's disappearance where she went missing not long after she found out that her husband was cheating on her. And uh, that would then make me think that because she found out that her husband said, you know what? I got to get rid of her. I got to do this. Of course, then that would be pre-planned. But knowing that she had found out something right before she went missing would then lead me to believe this was not an accident. This was something that this guy, he wanted it to happen. Whereas on the, you know, a lot of the other ones, although there may be facts out there, information 
that maybe some of them were pre-planned, pre-planned. It's just might be information that we don't know. It very well may be just something that the guy knows that nobody else knows. Uh, and so for the time being that, at least for me, I just tend to think that these, uh, these types of disappearances are pre-planned. Um, uh, Valerie, I think Star Trek was your best job besides Unfad. Uh, Valerie, uh, there is no doubt about that, that, um, certainly, uh, that is true. And it was, it was one of those jobs, I think for all of us. Yeah. Cause I didn't do much complaining, but I know a lot of my coworkers at Star Trek did a lot of complaining 20 years ago. We weren't getting a paid enough and there was this and there was that. And, you know, you know, every other employee at the hotel got to go and eat for free at the cafeteria that they had for hotel employees. We had to bring our own food, you know, things like that. I never complained because I was one of the actually the people that actually had worked in the real world for a while. And uh, I think a lot of them didn't figure out how good they had it until it was all gone. Whereas I knew in the moment that it was a really you know special thing, and I enjoyed every minute of it until I just decided that was enough of that. In uh, really coming up here, here it is. We are October. I left Star Trek in October of two thousand four, so it's like nineteen years now. But yeah, Marty says I had a blast carving. My kids actually picked up my costume this year. They wanted to do superheroes, so you're the Flash. Uh, yeah, Marty, it's okay being the Flash as long as you aren't like the actor who plays the Flash. Um, uh, hard to put them to bed. Twinkle, the think tank is fun. Uh, thank you. There, Twinkle is uh supporting the think tank, saying that everybody should join. Yes, you should join us. Um, uh, Marty's saying, uh, with Matt, you pair, uh, Okay, so Irene Gakwa. I'm thinking it was very sudden. Maybe he pushed her and she hit her head or something. Um, Colt, hey, Colt, where you been? Uh, Colt says I'm starting to look like Ozzy Osbourne. That is not a compliment, Colt. I'm going to try to not – I'm going to try to not hold that against you. Uh, yeah, the think tank. Marty is also saying that the think tank is a blast. So for Irene Gakwa – it's just, uh, it's a dang shame. Uh, you know, I wrote a very pointed uh, blog this week. Uh, of course, if you are any sort of Patreon supporter, even at $2 a month, you get to listen or read to it. I was very pointed in my comments this week. Um, you know, even going into the idea, is this just, you know, it seems like she was raised in the right way. Uh, she comes to the United States. That's the reason this episode was called Great Expectations. She's coming here, America, all these opportunities and everything. And, and instead, she gets caught up with Nathan Heitman. And despite everything that had been done so well in her life up to the age of 29, all it took was her meeting the wrong guy and everything uh, you know, went into the crapper. And it's one of those things that I wrote about, a, a section of the blog, I wrote about, is this just fate? Is there nothing, is there no kind of parenting or peer pressure or whatever you want to call it 
that can keep good women, like I believe Irene was, away from guys like Nathan Heitman? Is there is this just is there nothing that can be done regarding this? And of course, there's a lot of other disappearances that we've covered that are exactly like it. Wherever you have a lot of great women got mixed up with these horrible guys, and you think, how do these things happen? Do these women not see the signs? Of course, that happens the other way too. It's just that, uh, you know, certainly men can get caught up with, you know, good men can get caught up with bad women, certainly. The difference though is those men usually don't go missing, these men don't end up murdered. They end up, you know, because of a lot of different reasons, they stay with the women or they get divorced. And, you know, the guy um, has to scrounge around or, you know, it just, you know, for the rest of his life. And he's, even though she's the bad person, everything is, he's the one that has to keep making the child support payments and everything else. It just kind of works in a different way. What can we do? You know, and as a guy, as a straight guy, I think I respect women. Most, most of my assistants for Unfound are women. I love getting uh, opinions from their, their insight. Uh, I respect all of their minds and everything. And I, you know, and I'll have to admit uh, that uh, maybe going back to my 20s, I wasn't always like that. And I'd like to think that I've gotten better at that and I've matured and everything. This is a big concern to me as a, as a straight guy at 53 years old. How do we keep these good women from getting caught up with these losers? So I get that's a lot of what the blog was. Uh, that's what my writing was. It was a little bit of a, um, I don't know if it was a diatribe, but it might have been a little bit of a catharsis. And you should check it out at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Uh, I saw some green in here. Um Everything, Ed, you still seeing your sports doctor? I haven't seen my uh, sports psychologist in quite a while now. Everything, thank you for asking. Um, I would say for the most part these days, mentally, I'm pretty good out in the course. It's just an Ed thing. You know, keeping my concentration, it's not the yips. Everybody's nervous. It's not that. It's just me concentrating more, being more in the moment. Um, but so no, I haven't seen, uh, her name is Christina maybe since March or something, but she certainly helped me. I mean, certainly where I was compared to like three years ago, night and day, not playing up to my abilities necessarily, but out in the course mentally and everything, I'm much better. I'm, I'm certainly much better. I just have to put it all together. Uh, yes, it is. It's a big compliment. I, I cult. I've seen Ozzy, uh, but okay. Uh, I'll take it as a compliment. Uh, Nathan murdered her for sure. Everything says used her. Certainly I'll join the think tank the day after my last med school exam. Glenn will be looking for you. Congratulations to you, Valerie. Glenn. Awesome. Good for you. I love healthcare. Good luck. Lori has become a member of the YouTube channel. Lori's. Thank you so much. That's what that green signifies. If you're on YouTube, if you hit the button right below there, you hit the join button, you can be in green just like Lori. Go Cowboys. Lori, thank you so much. You get some now extra stuff. 
And in fact, I just posted a new uh, found episode regarding uh, the discovery of Lori Ruff just recently, uh, today actually. So I hope you will enjoy that and all of the other ones. Uh, Rockford says, hey, Rockford, what's going on? The lesson might be that it's great to care for people, help people look out for people, but getting too close often isn't a good idea. Yeah, you really, really have to check uh, who you really want to help out. Certainly. Alex, will you ever do a follow-up on the Thomas Brown case? Alex, to my knowledge, there's no follow-up to do. There's, there, you know, despite Phil Klein and others, although it seems like things have been quiet recently, there has been nothing new really since that meeting, what was it, in 2020 that Nathan Lewis recorded. Was that 2020? There's been nothing new since that. Nothing. So, except for him getting let go. So there's just nothing really to say, Alex, in my opinion. I'm sure there's people talking about it because it's it gets a lot of hits and got, gets a lot of clicks. I'm not going to revisit it until there's something. And I really don't even know what that would be. What would be the big news? I couldn't even predict. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Uh, thank you, Lori, for renewing. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Texas up 3-0 in the six. I see. Shree, my worst nightmare was 1988. Okay, talking, um, talking baseball there. All right, let's move on. I want to just jump right into what happened really the day after the last Unfound Live. And that has to do with this uh, shooting, this um, large-scale shooting in uh, Lewiston, Maine. And it's something that I'm sure uh, many of you, if not all of you, were glued to your TVs uh, from last Tuesday or Wednesday through this weekend where this guy, Robert Card, had shot up two different locations, killed 18 people, injured at least 13. I'm not sure how bad those injuries are. I suppose it may be that the death toll might go up depending on how some of these people recover. I'm not going to get into the, the gun stuff and everything else, but I think from a disappearance um, situation, we can learn a bit. Now remember that he shot up one location, drove to another location, shot up people there, took off in his car, abandoned his car at like a boat ramp or something else. And there was proof that he had owned a boat at one time, that he had a jet ski. And people were thinking, did he have his boat there? Was he going to get away that way? Because if he went there, he could have actually worked his way the total of the whole way out to like the Atlantic Ocean and who knows where he could go. But then we eventually find out where was he found. He was found in a, uh, a shipping container or an 18-wheeler trailer on the premises where he used to work at a recycling center or something like that. And what can we learn from this from disappearances? You know, one of the, of course, my topics, I don't know how many other People who cover disappearances, I realize very few cover disappearances week after week. I know myself, Marissa does over at The Vanish, maybe there's a few others. But we know, you know that there aren't many podcasts or YouTube channels out there that just do disappearances and nothing else. But you know that searches and the failure of them 
is kind of one of my hot topics. And it's been so for a while. Why do they not succeed? Why is it that, you know, police or whoever can go through an area and not find anything? Then years later, people go through that same area and find the missing person's remains. Why is this? And I have to admit, in watching what was transpiring, of course, everybody's just keeping their fingers crossed that this guy isn't going to pop up again and shoot up another place. Certainly possible. You just don't know. Very well could have been. He could have been laid low for a few days. Then, I don't know, popped up in a totally different state for some reason. We know that he was having some mental issues and probably shouldn't have had the guns that he had on and on and on. But, you know, my perception is that this was personal. That although he said he was hearing voices and all of that, it does seem to me that this was personal. These two places that he shot up, he was known to go to those places. Uh, He was in a relationship. It sounds like that relationship had fallen apart within the last few months. Uh, He was really, something had gone on with him getting hearing aids and he was allegedly hearing people talking about him. What are the, and then the odds that one of the places they shot up just happened to be having a um, a cornhole league where deaf people were playing. Is that a coincidence? I'm not thinking it is, just the way I look at it. But from a disappearance point of view, in all this searching, it's, it's still weird to me that where was he found? He was found in a place that was very familiar to him. And if you look at the reports, it was not the police or the FBI or the state police or whoever else that actually found him. Who was it? Somebody who actually worked at the recycling. I think he may be even the owner of the recycling center. Now, what's odd about that is that the police had actually gone through that place the day before or a couple days before looking for him and didn't find anything. But then a person who actually works there knows the premises, goes through whatever these kind of containers or whatever they were, one by one, and who, who, what does the guy find? Robert Card, and he had killed himself. We, you know, of course, everybody's going to remember this shooting for a long time, and we should we should never forget these people who died like this. It's horrible. It's horrible. But this is also the reason I tell all of you, keep your heads on swivels. Lots going on in the world, if you've noticed. And, of course, any of that stuff can come home at any time. Even here in the Tampa area where I live – I live in Clearwater Beach, but it's part of the Tampa area. Over there in Ybor City, they had a shootout this weekend, you know, some party at 3 in the morning. Two kids got killed. One of them was a 14-year-old. Several people got injured. You got to keep your heads on swivels. This is why I say I know it's kind of a funny saying the way that Shri and I end a lot of these live shows this way, but we mean it. We mean it. And I want, I'll come back to that in a moment. But when we think about this, for all of us who have an interest in disappearances, when we think back to this, 
we have to think about these searches that were done. We have to think about how the police, I know they're desperate. I know they thought they were working against the clock and everything, but really we now know it was a little bit of chicken with their heads cut off. You know, they went over to this abandoned house and they're firing these, you know, smoke canisters into there. There's nobody there. They thought he was there. He was never there. They're going through the woods and everything else. And even when they happen upon the right place, somehow they miss him. So the next time we talk about a missing person and searches that are done, you will now understand what I mean. I know this seems like semantics, but it's not. Because the common thinking is that area was searched. That missing person isn't there. It's the wrong way to think about it. And this, this is a perfect example of this. That. Just because you search in an area doesn't mean the person is not there. All it means is the person hasn't been found yet. It's very, I know it seems like it's just semantics. It's not. This is a perfect example of this. The police went through, went through that recycling center, didn't find anything. Oh, he mustn't be there. A person who works there shows up there the next day and goes through. Oh, he is there, and it looks like he's been there. Robert Card's been there for a couple days. It wasn't like Robert Card went in there like he knew that the police searched there and then went in there afterwards. That's not what happened. They missed him. Let me see. Now that I've take a break here for a moment, let's uh, see. Um, Stacy says that was awful. It was very sad. Yeah, fourteen year old and his dad. Yeah. 18 dead. I know. I know. Bloody cowards, these shooters. Um, Mar- Valley says a 14 year old daughter can't rem- uh, can't believe it. Marty says the same thing. Um, everything says they want to be infamous. Maybe some of them everything, although I, 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 I'm not convinced that was the reason this guy did this. Um, yep, that was what happened, uh, Lori, Kathy. Um, Going to upset the moderator uh, talking baseball, okay? Um, yeah, so we just have to remember this. So when we all start talking, police went out and searched. Body wasn't there. We have to remember how they missed uh, this guy who shot up two different places, killing 18 people and injuring another 13. Of course, my next uh, topic regarding this is where were the dogs? This is one more reason, you know, I just, as, uh, as I was sitting here last week, getting Irene Gakwa's, uh, episode prepared for Friday, I'm watching, you know, I have whatever TV, you know, and you should know, I, I almost ever, almost never watch news on TV ever <laughs> about that. But when there's something like this, that's developing like minute by minute, it seems I did uh, have uh, the news on and just had it on there in the background. But so I was preparing Irene Gakwa's uh, episode. It was on, but I'm following these, you know, what the media is saying about police going here, police going there, police going here, police going there. And it's all feeling like a disappearance to me. And I'm thinking to myself, is this going to be a disappearance? 
Are they not going to find him? Is this going to be like five years from now? He shot at this place and then totally disappeared. And, you know, and we, we're going to think thinking, is he out there somewhere? This is going through my head. But as I'm thinking this, I'm also thinking about the point I've made about dogs. Dogs were totally unhelpful in trying to find Robert Card. Or as I like to say, uh, two-legged animals, humans, find way more missing people than four-legged animals do. I'm going to continue to say this. Even though I do sometimes ask guests about dogs or any dogs used to track, uh, although I ask, you know, I have no confidence in this. Here's a guy, left his car, ran off, dogs were unhelpful. Not one dog in the state of Maine led anybody to the recycling center where Robert Card was eventually found. I want you to all remember this. These, see, we have, you know, there's so much tragedy here. It's huge. I can't imagine it. Cannot imagine. The only thing that ever is, maybe two things, have ever come close to this in my life, and they really aren't close at all. One was 2008, where my dad, although it was just, a, ended up being a tiny little fire, my dad almost burned down, he and my mother's, the condo that my dad still lives in in Renfrew, Pennsylvania. I was there when it happened. It was this close to all going up in smoke. And it could have been really, really bad. And then, of course, the other thing was being there when my mother died on November 28th of 2018. And this, as much as I love my mother, dwarfs those. things Because I know, you know, mother, I knew my mother was going to die. You know, you're kind of. Whereas these people just having a great time be no different than me going over to trivia and somebody, somebody showing up. Same thing. Everybody just having a great time answering questions. You know, I'm there with my brother and my sister-in-law, you know, all these friends of mine, everything. And somebody comes in there, starts shooting up. I can't imagine it. But you can see here that, you know, uh, some things that the police do and some, uh, you know, methods that they use don't work. What do I, what have I said? I'm for what works. I'm not for what doesn't work. Dogs don't work. And not that it would have made any difference here. It, you know, after he shut up the, you know, it, I, it doesn't seem that he killed anybody else after the second location. So even if they had caught him 10 minutes after that, you know, he, he, he I, it seems like he was done killing people, whatever was going through his mind. So I just want all of you to remember that when you think about this, because uh, these are such tragedies, we have to learn things from them. We can't go back in time and do this and change this. So we have to learn this. And being that we do disappearances here, what as disappearance people can we remember? We remember that often searches aren't successful. We remember, once again, the dogs don't work. And then also, what's the other primary point at play? Private land. Remember, he was found on private property. 
and how you know that's popped up. You know, Brandon Lawson. I just saw something within the last couple of days. They continue to do that DNA test on those remains that were found near where Brandon Lawson was last seen, where his truck was found. And they've been determined to be male. I, of course, believe that this is just the fate to complete that it's already Brandon Lawson. But why wasn't he found sooner? Private land. Why wasn't Crystal Morrison found sooner? Private land. This, this issue keeps popping up, popping up, popping up, popping up. A lot of disappearances, of course, many unfound is never covered. Same way with this, that he was on private land. In contrast to how they were going through all these woods, like these national preserve areas and all these forests and everything up there, it's just weird how that sometimes works out. And I think what we have to remember is although we certainly do have a lot of um, area in the United States that the government controls, we have a lot of, of course, national parks. That's David Politi's uh, area. And we have state parks and local parks and everything else. We have a lot of private land that people own it. They take care of it. But even the owners of it have not been over every acre of their land. You know, we got places in the United States where people own, you know, 100 square, you know, 100 acres, 1,000 acres. It's not unusual. Not in the United States anyway. So it keeps coming up. We're going to keep talking about it when it comes to searches. That getting access to private land is very, very important when it comes to missing people. And, you know, maybe we might even imagine a different scenario with Lewiston where – Let's say instead of Robert Card going to the private land or the, the, the property where he used to work at this recycling center, what if he goes to the property of another business in the Lewiston area that he had no connection to and shoots himself there? And the owner of that business, would say it's a big stockyard or I don't know, whatever it would be, just say that the owner says, no, no, police, you're not coming on here. No, 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 uh-uh, not allowed. Now, they could get warrants. I don't know what you could do regarding that. Robert Card would still be missing, and would all everybody would still be just crossing their fingers, hoping that he doesn't kill again. These are how these things work. I guess what's different for us and Unfound is that it's really, we kind of think of it in a different way in that person might have walked off overdosed or something and is on private land no access to it but we're not really worried about that person killing anybody or we think of it in terms of missing person was killed by somebody and then was put on private land that the police don't have access to it but once again we're not thinking that there's going to be more killing that's going on this was a big difference with robert card um I have to remember all of this, but I think I hate that it happened. I never want it to happen again. But I think the way the things played out regarding uh, the, the searches and everything really pretty much goes in line with my philosophy regarding all of this. Searches are nowhere near uh, as good as they should be. Dogs don't work. 
And we have to keep, keep, keep concentrating on getting access to private land. You know that. I mean, you know, all of you here are, I know, some of the most dedicated people that Unfound has in its audience. So, you know, I, I, I stress these topics. And I think that's what played out here. So I guess my theories uh, continue to hold water. Let's see what everybody is. Um... Uh, hell, dogs are tired of these humans and their BS. Yes, we give dogs a lot of BS. Um, uh, yeah, I'm already saying, uh, yeah, dogs are probably saying, find your own suspect, human. I think dogs are as good as their handlers. Dogs ruling ruling canines saved many a human life in the line of duty. There's no doubt that dogs can't be trained to go after criminals and be trained to do that. It's a totally, you know, sniffing people out is a totally different, um, totally different mindset. Uh, It's easier for me now. I'm old and prefer to be at home, but I'd have real reservations about being out in the clubs like I did when I was younger. Uh, you know, I was never uh, really a big club guy. Real surprise, right? Um, Kathy says, Deborah, you're 100% right. I'm a huge dog lover all my life. Private land hinders many investigations. It does. I'm not, I, I believe in private property. Uh, my philosophy of economics and everything else. Um, but I don't know what you can do about that. Um yeah, Rockford says, Mark, totally fair point. My perspective is that this country has a long history of bars being shut up, and the main difference now it's, yeah, yep, we'd like to shoot up bars, a lot of alcohol and stuff in those bars, but this had nothing to do with alcohol. Uh, Lydia says, hello, Lydia, how are you? Good to see you tonight. Thanks for joining in. Yeah, in Texas, we have so many big ranches, Brandon Lawson and Jason Landry come to mind, right? Jason Landry. I'm still convinced, even though I know that everybody who's taken part in the searches and, you know, this guy that gets got involved that says that was foul play and everything else. I know everybody thinks I'm full of it. I still continue to believe that Jason Landry will eventually be found within a mile of his car. I still believe that. And there has been nothing that changes my mind on that. Despite all the searches and everything else, nothing's changed my mind on that. Especially Bowman was found within a quarter mile in Santa Monica, California, where you can't, there's no, not a blade of grass for miles. But somehow he went missing for a year and a half and he was in a quarter mile away and he was found on pavement in a courtyard in an alleyway. Uh, hello, Delane. Well, there's Delane. Where you been, Delane? I was just thinking, where's Delane? CR, I hate dogs, but I've hunted with friends who and bird dogs, incredible assets in the field. It's as if they are psychic and can see through anything. You hate dogs, CR. Oh, my goodness. All right. Oh, you're going to get some crap for that, I think, CR. Uh, yeah, love, love, um, Bo, man. Yeah, Delane. Yeah, Lydia. Bo, Marty says Bo, man, is still a shocker. Yeah. Yeah, Twinkle, I heard a podcast. They now train dogs for the smell of human decomposition only. No personal item and the missing person needed. Maybe Twinkle. I just, like I said, I am just not, you know, I'm just, I'm just totally unfazed by when people start talking about dogs. I realize 
you know, they, you know, were out there on September 11th and all of that. I just have too much experience with disappearances now to ever rely on dogs for anything. Moving on, just a couple more words uh, to me, uh, from me uh, about what happened last week. Mental health. You know, I think more and more when we hear about these things, these these uh, massacres, do you notice how more and more of it seems to be less about the people being necessarily evil? They're certainly evil because they're killing people for no reason, certainly. But we're not talking about People, you know, who in the rest of their lives were evil. This guy, Robert Card, it seems for the most part, he was a decent guy for most of his life. And we could say this, we may think about the the young man who shot up that bank and killed people. What was it? Memphis, Tennessee. Was it earlier this year or within the past year? Same way. Seems like a good guy until he decided to go shoot someplace up. And so eventually what these people do is certainly evil. And certainly had they not died and not, of course, the guy, the kid in Memphis, he ended up getting shot. I don't think it was a suicide. He actually ended up getting shot. Whereas, of course, Robert Card shot himself. These people live most of their lives not being evil people. Then they become evil. This is becoming more and more... Uh, of a story in all of this. I'm going to keep saying, we have to start thinking about, at least here in the United States, I'm not here to talk about any other country. And I realize that in the United States, we seem, at least perceptually, to have more of this stuff go on than a lot of other countries in the world. But I think that we have to start asking ourselves, is there something about our culture that is creating this? You know, it's always easy to blame it on this and blame it on that. But is it our, um, is there something about this? Something about our news, something about our entertainment, something about education, something about parenting, something about the way we handle social media in the United States. Is this turning good people into bad people? I think this is a question uh, that we have to ask ourselves. Um, I I don't have an answer, but I'm not saying this question as rhetorically either. I think there is something to this as I, you know, and, and you should know, even though I really don't do murders here, although we'd think a lot of the disappearances we cover on unfound are murders, but, and I forget, um, was it one of my assistants I was talking maybe in the, or was in the think tank or somebody I was going back and looking at school shootings and you should know school shootings have been going on in the United States for a long, 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 long time. A long time. 
100 years ago. The difference is that up until 1999, usually it was, and I, I know every life is precious, but it was just, quote unquote, just one, two people, two students, maybe a teacher and a student. And of course, we had a lot of massacres like what Robert Card did. Uh, you know, and so many, you know, some of you are here from Texas. You can, uh, what was that? The Lubies massacre going back to the 1980s and um but going back to school shootings as an example we had all these school shootings that went on from the 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s into the 90s but then what happened in 1999 columbine and no and we have to keep in mind no law gun laws changed there weren't any laws concerning different school security or, or anything else. But if you look at the timeline of school shootings, something happened after Columbine. Suddenly, of course, in Columbine, many people, students and faculty, got killed. Now, we still have school shootings where one or only two people, once again, only, which – but we have now way more 10 people getting killed, 15 people getting killed. It's just something about Columbine, at least with schools, seem to have opened the floodgates. And this has nothing to do with – because gun laws haven't changed. Access to guns have not changed. Security at schools has actually increased. People are more uh, aware that these things can happen, and they still happen. So it very well could be something outside of security at schools, gun ownership, the Second Amendment, and everything else that is causing this. Now, of course, with the kids, you know, these two kids that committed Columbine, maybe our culture is just creating more people like that. Just maybe. It's uh, it's a, it's an idea. I don't know what that means, where we can go with that, but I'm certainly open to the idea that um, maybe we just have more people who are susceptible to doing this. They're not necessarily bad people, like Robert Card wasn't for his most most of his life. And a lot of these other people were for most of their life. And all of a sudden they show up at a school one day and shoot it up. Do we have just more people who are susceptible to this? I, th I think the answer is yes. Why that is, maybe some psychiatrist or sociologist can start looking into that. But that's the way I see, I, I see this. I, you know, if Robert Card had been... Uh, an evil guy, maybe his whole life, then maybe he wouldn't even been in a position to do this. He would have been in jail or maybe he would have gotten into a shootout uh, with police 20 years ago and died back then. That he didn't do this till he was 40 years old is because he was a good guy for most of that time. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with Irene Gakwa too, kind of with her. 
raised the right way, and then all of a sudden she's mixed up with this Nathan Heitman guy who surely killed her. How does that happen? It's the same way with this. How does Robert Card go go from good guy, family guy, and all this to actually thinking it was a good idea and go and kill you know many many people? We had no history of violence or anything else. That's not a gun issue. That's not a security issue. That's nothing else. That's a culture issue. I think so. Um, let me see here. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I agree uh, that searching private property is critical to finding missing people, but I don't think I'm alone in not trusting the state enough to allow it. I know. Uh, I think maybe we just have to work toward a uh, a happy compromise or something, Rockford. Uh, no bad thoughts to dog lovers. Dogs turn something disgusting into something revolting. All right, CR. Um, Hello, Delane. You're in Wisconsin. It's freezing there. Uh, Facebook, I have 50 acres, and I don't know what's on every inch of my land. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, CR says, all good questions. Thank you. Once again, I don't have the answers, but I have a lot of time to think about this stuff because it's kind of in my line of work. You know, every day I'm thinking about people who went missing. A lot of them were murdered. Why does this happen? Or if it's not a, you know, if it's not a foul play scenario type of disappearance, it's a person who was having mental issues, a person who was having addictions and everything. Why do these things happen? Because I keep one of the statistics I keep bringing up that is, you know, since the time that I was born in 1970, the suicide rate in the United States has gone up. Addiction rate has gone up. People on antidepressants and everything else have gone up. People, you know, doing all sorts of things that, you know, we now accept that maybe we shouldn't be accepting. You know, that are just, you know, there's something going on. I realize the world's not a perfect place. But as I always like to, you know, tell the one friend of mine who I actually do talk politics with, there's a lot of reasons to be happy to be alive right now. Even though we have whatever's going on in the Middle East, we have what's going on in Ukraine and everything else. The truth is the world is a better place now than when I was born in 1970. It's not even close. It's not even close. You know, when I was born in 1970, 55,000 uh, Americans, mostly men, were dying in Vietnam. You know, just just as a start when I was born. And that's not going on now. Certainly a lot of bad places in the world. So, but still, the way I look at it, and I loved growing up in the 1980s. I thought that was a great decade to grow up. But even I can say things are better now in the United States overall than they were. But still, we have a suicide rate that's going up. We have an addiction rate that's going up. We have mental health issues, even though structurally, economically, of course, the, the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. I know there's Russia and everything, different topic. 
You know, there's a lot of reasons to be really, really happy to be alive right now. And still, a lot of people don't see it that way. It was much worse to be alive in 1970, but there was a lower suicide rate, lower drug addiction rate, lower mental health problem rate, and everything else. It doesn't seem to make any sense what's going on. No. Um, yeah, Delane's uh, spending time with family in Wisconsin. Uh, Facebook user Linda says, I hope every hunting season that hunters will find some of our missing, especially Brandy Wells here in Northeast Texas. Long, yeah, I know, Longview, Texas, right? Lydia Penny Brewer, yes, Penny, uh, yes, and Brandy, it's been so long. I, uh, Stacy says, I miss the 80s. You know, uh, I had a great time back then, Stacy, but I don't want to go back. You know, that would mean go, going back to being a teenager, and I'm not going back to being a teenager. And on the other hand, I wouldn't want to be 53 in the 1980s either. So I, I think I'll just be happy with it. I, I've said no way would I want to go back to like my teens or my 20s. Might want to go back to my 30s. 30s were a great time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but not back to the – so I could go back maybe to the early 2000s, but still, it's a better time now. Remember what happened in the early 2000s, 9-11, the Iraq War, going to Afghanistan, all of that stuff. It's better to be alive now. Uh, we have such short memories. Recall the Middle East in the 70s, no picnic, San Francisco, a mess, the Dirty Harry and Death Wish movies didn't come out. A thin air, right, Rockford, thank you uh, for um, kind of uh, backing me up on that. But still, despite all of these positive, and I realize that nobody's happy about politics and the inflation and everything else, it's better to be alive now than at any time in the history of the United States. And still, we just have things going on. People are doing things. You would think that it was the last days of the Roman Empire. It's not. So this is why when I think about Robert Card, I think about these shootings, I think about suicides, I think about drug addiction and everything else, I start thinking, you know, how bad would things be if things were actually really bad? <laughs> of course, there is a thinking out there, and, you know, this was kind of brought up in the movie The Matrix. Do you remember that? Remember when... Oh, my. Uh, Agent Smith uh, is torturing Morpheus. Remember what he remember what Agent Smith tells Morpheus in that movie? And I don't think this is going to ruin it for anybody. But what does he tell you? You know, we created the first Matrix and it was a perfect world and the human mind would not accept it. Do you remember that? It's a very understated part of that movie. And I'm not a big fan of the Walczewski, I guess they're sisters now, the Walczewski siblings now here in 2023 because every movie after that, the, the, the sequels and everything were not very good. Their movie Bound is spectacular. If you've ever seen, never seen that movie, you've got to see the movie Bound, which is the movie they did before The Matrix. But that there's that very subtle uh, conversation that Agent Smith well, he's just talking to Morpheus about how they created the first matrix for people's minds to live in. It was perfect. The human mind would not accept it. You remember he says, 
crops were lost. Remember him talking, Agent Smith talking about that? And what did Agent Smith go on to say? And I'm paraphrasing, people needed struggle. People needed problems. People need these things to to, um, not verify their existence, but to – I'm searching for the word – to solidify their existence. If you make it too easy, the human brain kind of can't accept that. And although the world isn't easy, it's easier than it's been from decades past. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe Agent Smith in that movie uh, had a point. That maybe humans just need a struggle to be healthy. And if it gets things get too a little too nice, a little too easy, and you know, they're the mind starts going crazy because of that. Maybe I'm not that way, but maybe a lot of people are that way, and that's why we're seeing all this. It's something to think about. So that is all that uh I wanted to see. Uh since you mentioned inflation, try getting a mortgage in the late 70s, early 80s. I also try finding a job then, yeah. Yeah. CR says, bound is a masterpiece piece. CR coming back strong. Uh, earlier, you said you didn't like dogs, but now that you say you know bound is a masterpiece, it is a masterpiece. Got to see that movie. Spectacular movie. All right. So allow me to now move on uh, to some. I went on the, uh, that for quite a while, but I think there's a lot that uh, philosophically, theoretically, and then even real-world applications, things that we can learn from what went down in Lewiston, Maine. It's all very sad. It's very sad. So we have to figure out how can we use it to benefit society. What's going on, uh, Sheree? Uh, Ed, you just wrote Ed. (laughs) Just wrote E-D. Oh, that's funny, Ed. That's funny. Oh, I got you. What's, uh, what did I say that was funny? Bound is a masterpiece. We need challenges and change to continue to grow as human beings. Yes. There you go, Delane. Uh, what were you saying? That What, what did I say that was funny, uh, Sheree? I'm sorry. I'm just catching this uh, comment. What did I say? All right. Moving on. Um, another unfound disappearance has been resolved. And this is a disappearance of Jay Lushbaugh. He went missing from Kansas on August 14th of 2017. You might remember that episode. The episode came out on March 27th of 2020. So that was right when COVID was getting started in the United States is when that episode came out. But uh, I'm just going to read a little bit about him. Maybe some of you, it's not ringing a bell. I will just read it. I'll read the intro. Dennis Lushbaugh Jr., Jay, to those who loved him most, was a 44-year-old from Iola, Kansas. He was an only child and worked in construction. On Sunday, August 14th, 2017, Dennis and his girlfriend were allegedly coming back from camping. They got into a fight, and then the, and the girlfriend got out of their van. She stormed off as Dennis drove away. He was never seen again. I remember later that his van was found and he was missing. 
Uh, so I'm now going to read a couple articles. An anthropologist identifies human remains found over the summer, those of missing Iola man. In March, authorities, and so in way going way back to March, uh, Valerie's saying that so, what a good analogy. Yeah, I think, uh, I think going back to the previous topic, uh, and I think Delane is writing it out, we need challenges and change to continue to grow as human beings. I think so. I think so. I'm still wondering uh, what you thought was funny, Cherie. Um, or maybe you don't, uh, maybe you would just want to text it to me or something. I don't know. Um, but back in March, our authorities say a man searching for antler sheds, I guess just like Pine Gregory in Texas, called 9 11 after finding the skeletal remains. He found them in the area of Humboldt near Arizona Road in 1800th Street. The Allen County Sheriff's Office called in the the Kansas Bureau of Investigation to help conduct an investigation on Thursday, October 26, 2023. Sheriff Brian Murphy confirmed to KOAM the identity of the remains of that of the missing man, Dennis Lushbaugh. Lushbaugh was last seen in Allen County on August 13, 2017. He was 44 years old and went missing. Sheriff Murphy has notified his family. He tells KOAM the cause of death is unknown, but from what they found, they do not suspect foul play and i know that in reading another article about it it says that the remains were found not too far from where his vehicle was now you may remember going back to the episode um that you know the story i guess was a little dicey you know she said that yeah she walked off and dennis was alive and you know, I think there were some people who out there uh, weren't believing that. Um, and we have to remember uh, Sherry Russell, his mother, was the guest. And I've not spoken to her uh, since this war, this um, this news came out. But, you know, I have to I have to say it seemed to me that his family was thinking there, you know, that there was foul play and maybe he did go somewhere with her and something I think that can all be put to the side now. That um, he was found very shortly, not far away. And I guess we have to start thinking Dennis was involved in in drugs. And uh, it's... um, um, Very sad. But... I'm not surprised by that. I think to go back and look at the blog that I wrote for Dan. I've not gone back and done that, honestly. But going back, I think if all of you have access to the blogs, going back to the Dennis uh, Lushbaugh one, you will see that I pretty much thought that this was just, he caused his own disappearance. So I guess we might put this in that category of another disappearance that I got right where I correctly predicted probably what the outcome was going to be. Now, you should know uh, within the next couple of weeks that um, probably I'm going to be releasing uh, the Resolved episode that I made for all of the Patreon and YouTube supporters, where I go through all of the disappearances that, Unfound is covered in which there has been somewhat of a resolution to it. And I, you remember I had a special episode maybe a month ago that came out on a Monday that was all the unfound nows uh, that that have been resolved. But I think I'm going to do that within the next few weeks. I'm going to release that episode to everybody. 
I don't know if a special episode, maybe a Friday episode, where I will go through all what are now 28 disappearances that Unfound has covered that have been somewhat resolved. I will, of course, add Dennis to that list. So be looking for that, but um, not a very uh, big surprise here. And, you know, I really can't remember were there searches done at the time, how complete were they? I, I, I really don't remember. But another disappearance where a vehicle is and the missing person is not very far away. Um, but still very sad. Moving on, uh, I actually had a um, a couple listeners uh, message me about this disappearance that has also been resolved. So I'm going to now talk about it. Now, um, oh, Cherie says, calling CR out for the dogs and then e- evening it out with the bound is a masterpiece comment. Oh, you thought that was funny. I Thanks, Cherie. It is uh, – you know, it's one of those things, Sheree, that I don't even know how many people really even know about the movie Bound. Uh, it was not a, you know, it was a, a lower budget movie. It has uh, Gina Gershon. Is it Meg Tilly or Jennifer Tilly? I forget which one is which. Has Joe Pantoliano in it. Has um, Christopher Maloney. Of course, most people know him from Law & Order um, SVU. Uh, but the, all of those actors are in it. It's a great um, kind of a double cross, uh, you know, scheme type of movie. And it was actually my brother Brian that put me onto that movie. He had seen it, and he says, "Ed, you got to see this movie. It's spectacular." And it is. Now, granted. It's uh, in a couple parts. It's kind of erotic. It's R. It's not like, you know, it's not like porn or anything. It's an R-rated movie. There are a couple parts in it that uh, are somewhat erotic, but the the entire movie, the plot and everything else is just so good. So, so good. And it was on the strength of that movie that the Wachowskis uh, got to do The Matrix. It was on that. They actually wanted to do The Matrix first, but studio's like, we're not giving you that much money for a, a couple of no-name people. You got to do something else first that shows you can make a movie and it makes money. They did Bound, and uh, that was good enough, and I certainly can understand why. But that's how good. When you know that somebody who uh, criticizes dogs, you know, and I give them a hard time to then turn around and, that's how good Bound is. That is how good it is. So you got to check it out. Cherie says, Halloween was my mom's birthday. This is the first Halloween without her, and it's going to be a tough day. I'm happy for the holiday distraction. Yeah, Cherie, I know we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. Sorry to – yeah, Cherie. All right, getting back to this story that uh, was sent to me, I want to talk about the disappearance and discovery of Phyllis Potter. This happens in Pennsylvania. The PA, uh, Pennsylvania State Police and members of the public are continuing to look for a woman that went missing out of Westville over two weeks ago, according to state police. This is the original uh, story. Phyllis Potter, 85, was last seen on July 21st. Potter is 5'2", uh, weighs 150 pounds, gray hair, blue eyes, wears glasses. She could be driving a white 2009 Subaru Outback that has a PA license plate, and I'm not going to read that off. 
Currently, there are two active Facebook pages. So this was the story um, that, according to the flyer on Phyllis's disappearance, Potter was staying at a friend's home in Potter Brook Township on July 20th. Potter reportedly left the home at 5 a.m. without speaking to her friend or taking her overnight bag. The friend could hear Potter drive away. Potter was last seen at Missy's Market in Harrison Valley on July 21st. She can be seen on a surveillance camera wearing a black and white striped shirt and fleece jacket with multicolored squares. Potter was reportedly a regular customer at this location. Well, this is just recently. The search for a missing elderly woman from Tioga County, Pennsylvania, appears to be over. On Sunday, Pennsylvania State Police confirmed the Subaru belonging to 85-year-old Phyllis Potter of Westfield was found near a cornfield off of North Fork Road in Brookfield Township. Human remains were found not far away from the car, I guess, kind of like Jay Lushbaum. Uh, police would not confirm that the remains are of Potter, saying an autopsy has been scheduled. Potter was last seen on July 21st, reported missing July 22nd. Since then, multiple community and law enforcement search efforts have taken place near across Tioga County. Potter's vehicle is being seen being towed from the scene. According to organizers involved in the search efforts, Potter's vehicle was found Saturday, but she was not found inside. Efforts were suspended due to the dark conditions and resumed Sunday morning. What I couldn't find, uh, at least putting this together for this episode, was that, you know, how exactly her car was found. I don't know, was it, did she like drive into a cornfield? Or was it like on some, you know, some of these farms, these huge farms, and I know uh, being from Pennsylvania, uh, you know, some of these farms, you know, they're really large, but they have these, you know, it's not completely corn. It's like there's these little pathways. And did she drive onto one of these? And did it just take all this time? Uh, for her car to be found, and was it a farmer who did this? Was the farmer finally, um, you know, harvesting the corn or something like that? Now, I will tell you that given that this happened in July, you might remember I was up seeing my dad in Pennsylvania in J- July and early August. And the question is, could corn really be that high to hide a car? The answer is yes. I mean, it might depend on what kind of the corn is and when it's planted. I'm certainly not a corn expert. But, you know, uh, July into early August is a very common time for me to go to Pennsylvania. This is even going way back to when my mother was still alive. And I can tell you, when I'm there, the corn is usually decently high. At least in the farms around where my, you know, around Butler County, Armstrong County, Westmoreland County, Beaver County, that area, Allegheny County of Pennsylvania. So I think that this is, you know, very reasonable to think that whatever was going on with her, she ended up driving down one of these little dirt roads that goes between these cornfields, got lost or something happened. Of course, she's 85 years old. We have to start thinking, um, you know, did she have Alzheimer's? Did she have dementia? Um, Of course, that was a topic. The most recent unfound now that came out this past weekend. Uh, Coincidentally, another Pennsylvania disappearance, but from way up there in the northeast part of Pennsylvania with Rhino Long and how he was diagnosed and he went missing right 
in the woods behind his house. Is this probably what happened here? Maybe. I'm I'm not thinking there was any foul play or anything here. It's hard for me to imagine that somebody carjacked her at five in the morning or or something like that. So I have to believe that something was going on with her mentally. And she ended up in that cornfield for some reason. This maybe you can think of the disappearance of like David Hardy Jr., who was also diagnosed with mental disease. And his kids, his family would not take his keys away. So he's just driving around out there everywhere and getting lost. And they'd go get him, bring him back home. And then, of course, we know he went missing. They went to go get him again. And the son thought that uh, David would just follow him home. Nope. David took his, just turned off, went a different direction. His car was found. David is still missing. This kind of, that sounds kind of like this. And I even have... Uh, written here in my notes regarding this uh, this case is that do our minds go into some sort of default mode that um, you know just uh, you know I of course hope that dementia Alzheimer's diseases like this we know they are a fact of life uh, I'm hoping of course that they eventually all get cured or we can get to a point where nobody gets them or if people have them we can cure them or something like that of course but i wonder in these circumstances do our minds kind of go into to a default mode and the reason i say this this is it seems that she had something going on before she ever left her friend's house because she left her stuff there was she planning to come back and that's when it got to the point where she couldn't remember where she was going or where she was. It's hard to say, but she's still able to go to this market. So she, she gets lost, but she's still at this market. So that's why I'm asking, is there some sort of default mode in our minds that we get to a point where we can't do this kind of the, kind of the higher functions of finding directions, places, and everything, but we can actually, in, on the other hand, go to a market and pay for something. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. And even going back to the unfound now, I'm hoping all of you eventually uh, get to listen to it or watch it right here on the YouTube channel. But with like Rhino Long, who had been diagnosed with dementia, it seems he, when he left his house to go through those woods, to go to his, son who only lived like 300 feet away through the woods if he took the shortcut. It seems like he knew where he was going. He knew he had to go out the back of his house through these woods and come out on the other street and his, his son's house would be right there. He went the right direction, but seemingly got to the other street and then didn't know what to do next. So he knew where he was going. He knew he was supposed to be going to his son's, but somewhere in that space of between his house and getting to the next street over, I guess his mind went blank. I, I guess we all, I guess we all have our minds till we don't, but this is just how maybe quickly or something this, uh, you know, this can happen. He gets over to that other road. He's on the right road. Doesn't even recognize, I guess, his son's house, which was only a couple houses away. 
And the witness said that Rhino turned right around, went right back into the woods, and he's still missing almost two months later. So getting back to Phyllis Potter, is this kind of the same thing where when she left her friends, mind was okay. She had the intentions of maybe, you know, coming back to this friend's house, being that she left some stuff there. But then when she's out there, there was just one, you know, that one brain cell that was just enough to start affecting her memory. Just wonder how that stuff works. I I hope to never find out. Now, I will tell you, uh, my genetics tell me that I'll probably have my mind to the very bitter end. Uh, That's the way uh, both of my biological parents, who both died of cancer, they had their minds right to the end. So probably that's the way I'm going to be. I'm not sure if I prefer that or not, but that's probably what it's going to be. Also something that occurs to me uh, regarding this type of disappearance, you know, I think about animals and we know like when animals get injured or they are dying, they often go into like very covered places. Of course, they're fearing, feeling very weak. They, of course, don't know what's going on. You know, they don't understand how their bodies work and why they're feeling the way they do and everything. So they get very scared. They go into very, you know, confined places to hide. And and I'm just wondering, is that the same thing with the human mind? That when you get to that point and your mind starts deteriorating and, you know, when we think about somebody like Phyllis Potter, did she know that that was going on and that's the reason she chose to drive into that field and, and uh you know, I'm just taking, I happen to believe, I absolutely believe that's her, that she was found. Is that what, what went on with her as well? Something going on and she found some place like that to hide. Is this what humans do? No. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, Sheree. Stacy says that she misses her mom every day. Me too, Stacy. Delane's talking about her own mom. Yeah. Yeah. Stacy says, sometimes I go in a room and forget why I went in there for whatever, but I remember all the lyrics for songs. Yes, there's something about that. And, and it's even true on... Um, you know, the kind of uh, new therapy that they've been doing in the 21st century to kind of um, s- study people with Alzheimer's is putting them in situations when they were younger. And so there's like money goes into like maybe at a, uh, you know, I don't even know where they do these things, but they actually create like a little town that looks like their town when they were growing up to see, because it, as we know, there's, a you know, even though my dad's mind at 86 is still, in my opinion, spectacular, you know, I do realize that he remembers things from a lot long ago than maybe things recently, but still, even when I talk to him about like, he goes to see slippery rock football games, he remembers the game, you know, for, you know, he'll remember what happened yesterday at the game and everything. So his mind is still very sharp. But we do know that one of those things about dementia and Alzheimer's is these people have the ability to remember something from 50 years ago 
but they can't remember anything from the past year. And so what's one of the studies that's being done now is putting people back in those kind of scenarios from back at the time when they remember. They remember when they were younger or something and see how that affects their brain. Can it somehow stimulate it? It's fascinating. Um, Those two diseases, disorders can be so difficult. Moments of clarity, being in the present and suddenly being in the past are just totally confused. Yeah, Delane, yeah. Rock, reminds me of the case of the elderly lady who took the bus to Riverside and disappeared. Yes, Betty Tepfer, uh, Rockford. Yes, uh, recent disappearance covered, right? Right. Um, Knew how to get on the bus and everything, but if we're to believe it wasn't foul play, she couldn't find her way back to the bus. Good, good one, Rockford. Uh, Valley thinking, glass half at least. We had a mom and dad. We loved a lot of kids being raised. Don't have to be, even have that, so I'm thankful. Yeah, Betty Tupfer. There she is. Never doubted you. Yes. I, well, I remember too, Rockford. I know Kathy is very good at it, but that was, um, it helps that that disappearance is fairly recent that we covered it. So this is uh, the disappearance of Phyllis Potter. I got to believe that this is some sort of mental disease. Like, a, as you know, even though I know I'm not a doctor, I see a difference between mental illness and mental disease. For some reason, mental illness strikes me as like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, things like that. Whereas when I go mental disease, I think dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. I don't know why. But that is uh, the disappearance of uh, Phyllis Potter. Uh, I, 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 like I said, I can't say that I am that surprised with how that ended. Uh, what do I want to talk about next? Maybe you've been looking at the screen tonight. I have another discount code. Actually, I have two discounts to talk about before we end tonight. First of all, the discount code that you see on the screen is once again for my course, how to podcast better than anyone. If you go to how to pod, how to podcast better than anyone forward slash courses. And no matter which one you pick, whether you want to talk to me for an hour about the podcast that you're doing and you think that I can help you out, I probably can. You can put in the code ULOCT302023 and get 50% off. Or if you're thinking about starting your own podcast, and you want to take just the course on it, which is about five hours long. You can buy that course if you put in that same discount. You also get 50% off. And this will be till next Monday. The code, once again, is ULOCT302023 at howtopodcastbetterthananyone.teachable.com. The other discount I want to talk to you about is tomorrow at Unfound's store unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com and you don't have to use any code for this. Anything you buy uh, during Halloween, so starting at midnight Eastern time until uh, 11.59 p.m. uh, tomorrow night Eastern time, everything off is 25% off in the store at unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com Dot com. So maybe you want to check that out tomorrow for Halloween. You might want to check that out. Moving on, I um, I think I want to go back. 
Let me see here. Let me see what I have here. Now I want to talk about this. Uh, this is for all of the Patreon people and YouTube supporters, people who have joined uh, this YouTube channel. Uh, the newest episode of Found is out. And where I go, it's about an hour long, and I go appearance to discovery the disappearance and reappearance of Lori Ruff. Now, some of you may say, I don't know if I'm, that name's familiar, but why do I know that name? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, Lori Ruff was the young woman who in 1986 ran away from home, stole the identity identity of a two-year-old uh, from the West Coast who died in a fire, stole that girl's ID. She then went to Idaho and changed her identity identity again to then become Lori Erica Kennedy. And then she ended up getting married later to become Lori Ruff and living in Texas, uh, last name R-U-F-F. And it was, uh, she got married, uh, and, but toward the end, uh, of the marriage, she started acting crazy. She was paranoid, everything else. And in addition to that, she was always very, uh, evasive about her past to her, her husband and to his family. She said that her parents had died when she was young, but it just it seemed to them things just didn't quite add up. And they really didn't think much of it as long as she was a normal person and the marriage was OK and everything else. But once she started losing her mind, they became a little more interested in who she actually was. Well, unfortunately, Lori Ruff actually committed suicide in 2010. But eventually, six years later, she was eventually, it was eventually discovered who she actually was. And in fact, as I state in the episode, this is probably the most well known uh, identity theft uh, case in the United States uh, that I guess carried over into the 21st century. Technically, I, not technically, but it did start in the 20th century. But probably Lori Ruff is known as one of the most famous person living under an assumed name, stealing somebody else's identity uh, in the United States in the 21st century. That's how I would assess it. So what do I do in the episode? I go from how this all happened. What do we know about her going missing? Why was she missing for all of those years? What actually did go on? And then how did we go about, did they go about finding out who she actually was? And I do this uh, by doing what I call the NTSB way, uh, the way the National Transportation Safety Board does it when they look at plane crashes. I look at the primary cause of her disappearance the primary cause of why she was missing for so long and the primary reason as to why she was found or identified. But then I look at all the contributing factors of why she went missing. 
the contributing factors of why she was missing for so long. And then the contributing factors of how her disappearance was brought to a close. And so that, uh, like I said, it's about an hour long. And uh, also, of course, I try to answer the question, is it possible that we've covered some disappearances on Unfound where this happened? Where some people who we featured on Unfound went missing, went out there, got a new identity, and are still alive out there and living new lives under assumed names. And I also explore the... The reason, of course, Lori Ruffs is not the only disappearance like this. Of course, of course, recently know like Robert Hoagland, who uh, left his life and changed his identity and everything. But why is it, take a long look at, why is it that we don't find out about this until after these people are dead? What is it that keeps these people from being found out when they're alive? It's always after the fact, after the person's already in the ground that we find out, oh, John Smith was really Harry Brown. Why does this happen? So I take a look at that over the course of the hour. And if this all sounds interesting to you, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast or just hit the join button below to become a member of this YouTube channel. Um, what's it say? Uh, RGB18. Hey, Ed. Love your work from Australia. Another Australian. Wow, we have a couple Australians in the audience tonight. Thank you, RGB. Thank you. Uh, Delane says, I know that story. She had a little lockbox, didn't she, that held her secret? Well, I wouldn't say that it held her secret, Delane. Um, it certainly did not solve the puzzle certainly not um certainly not so uh one more thing i want to go into i I know we joke around i actually brought this up very much uh very early uh, a lot earlier in this uh show tonight about keeping your heads on swivels and then i'll go into this friday's disappearance um i think going back to lewiston that, you know, we certainly don't have all the stories of people, how they ended up not getting shot or anything else. We've heard some heroic stories about people who went after him, even though he has a gun, they had a knife and they got shot. Try, you know, I can't imagine it. But what does actually keeping your heads on swivels means? Here are some of the things that I do to keep my head on a swivel. First of all, for example, when I go to trivia, I always sit facing the door. In fact, I am one of the last people to usually get to trivia. That seat is always open for me. I always sit in the same seat at our table. I always sit facing the door. I see everybody who's going in and out of Fat Cat Tavern pretty much. It's one thing. Also, even though I'm a guy, I can take care of myself, I'm not weak, you know, I can still, you know, uh, probably scrap a little bit at 53 years old, but when I go down to my car, even though this is a secure building, we have security and everything else, when I go down to my car, as soon as I get off that elevator, I'm always looking around, 
always. I'm going out to my car. Is there anybody else around here? Anything looks strange? Any cars parked here that, you know, are kind of sitting there with the headlights on or whatever else? Got to be aware of your surroundings. When I go to Publix, when I go uh, shopping for food, once again, same thing. Head on swivels. Get out of my car, head on swivel, looking around. I come out of the store. I have food, going out to my car, always looking around. What is going on? And when I'm in the store, I'm just not, I'm keeping, once again, keeping my eyes and ears open. These are things that I just pretty much naturally do. And even when it comes to the disc golf course, same thing. When I'm out at Cliff Stevens, for example, this past weekend, always looking around. Does anybody look like he or she is out of place? Now with Cliff, it's known to have some homeless people in the park once in a while. But still, always looking around. Does anybody look out of place? Does anybody look like somebody who shouldn't be here? Is anybody seen to be hanging out for all the wrong reasons? These are things that I do, of course, uh, pretty just naturally these days. And I got to believe that there were probably some people who were doing that in Lewiston last week. And because they were doing that, they got away with their lives. And then some others didn't. I have to believe. I have to have to believe that. So if you're ever wondering what Shree and I mean about keeping your heads on swivels, get your eyes out of your phones. Get your eyes out of them. You should never be looking at a phone while walking. I, you know, walking down a sidewalk. In fact, I don't walk on sidewalks anymore. I don't walk streets anymore. You shouldn't be just phone walking. You're setting yourself up to be a target. Get your eyes out of your phones when you're in public. Please. Those are just some of the things that I do. Moving on to this Friday, we are going to Oklahoma. Pocola, Oklahoma. P-O-C-O-L-O. Pocola, Oklahoma. And this is a disappearance that seemingly, although the date is not exact, this is a disappearance that seemingly happened on Christmas Day of 2000. Talk about a tough day for a family. It's the disappearance of Kenny Weaver. It is a disappearance that is on the Charlie Project. It is on NamUs. His sister Becky is the guest. I don't have a title for this episode yet, but... Kenny, uh, very much like a lot of uh, men that we've covered on Unfound, had some drug issues, shady friends. But what's tough about this one is that it very well may be that a guy that he knew for a very long time since they were in elementary school who could be at least partially responsible for his disappearance. It's one of those stories Yeah, uh, the story is, yeah, I dropped him off at this person's house, and I don't know what to tell you after that. It's one of those disappearances. And uh, we're also looking at, uh, this is also a disappearance where we talk about the hot potato effect. Uh, Even though he might have been in Arkansas, was he in Oklahoma? And got uh, like three different jurisdictions playing hot potato with his case. So you can start looking that one up. Kenny Weaver, Pecola, Oklahoma, December 25th, 
2000 and his sister Becky will be the guest. Um, that night I messaged you from outside a hotel. That message was on my mind and I kept looking all around me continually. Good for you. Uh, Delane, uh, RG, it's as always, always know the exit. Don't volunteer to be a victim. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, I'm going to need to tread lightly when it comes to being critical of those who use assumed names. Look at you, Rockford. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course you are Rockford. Um, all right. And people are getting out, so I'm going to get out too. Everybody. Thank you for joining in tonight. Uh, yes, I think this is the first time in the unfound live history where I had to take a bathroom break for like a minute. It was a long run. I guess every, every good, uh, streak has to come to an end, but I'm glad I could be with back with you and have do a great show. The rest of the show would have to, I'll have to worrying about such things. And that's all I have to say on that. Thank you so much. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being a great audience. And tune in Friday Friday for the disappearance of Kenny Weaver. Good night, everyone. And Charlie, say hi to the kids for me. 